Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Out of Our Depth podcast, where we are well and truly out of our depth. <laughs> I am your host, Matt. And I'm Liam. And this podcast is all about cars, our life experiences, good stories, and a lot of things we don't understand. We hope you enjoy. Hello, listeners. Hello. Welcome to uh, another Not Hungover Sunday morning. Yeah. I've got a Fresh wonderful face. coffee in hand. Fresh faced. Cafe Neuro, and I've already had too much coffee, so <laughs> see how this goes. Mm. So, Liam, straight into business. It's been a busy week, a busy weekend for F1, not just in terms of testing, but also drive to survive, Yeah, which survive, I described yeah. to someone as keeping up with the Kardashians of the Formula One grid. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you take us away? Oh, it's, oh, it, it's, it's really good. Yeah, um, so my sister and her boyfriend who don't watch F1 normally like uh Ooh. for races and stuff they're, they're really into drive to survive and during lockdown they watched like the first two series back to back interesting i think like some proper f1 nerds get annoyed by it because it doesn't show everything it's like you see only oh. 10 one hour episodes or whatever you mm. can't get everything mm. in it's a bit like you know, drama and stuff you know over amplified mm. particularly in the first season probably yeah, and I, I think I think I was aiming to get into this later, but you brought it up sooner, so it's always good that I, I bring it up now. But I do find it very annoying, oh. and hit. So I'm only on episode five of this. Was it ten episodes? Oh, sorry, you may have just said my phone goes off. I'm sorry. About that. Lol. <laughs> so yeah, I'm only on episode five, and I think the most recent one I watched was uh, the following Renault and Dan, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, right? Yeah. But they're I've following them on. Three, so no spoilers. Well, I'll try my best. Okay even though you've watched the entire season. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I think as far as I understand, because of the COVID restrictions that are in place, they couldn't have cameramen and sound people with every team at every race, right? I'm yeah. not sure if that's how they've worked in other seasons, etc. Mm. But the season's really annoyed me because, for example, that they're showing all the Renault stuff, Danny Rick, but they didn't show the weekend where, you know, he got the podium for Renault, at least on episode five and stuff like that likewise with mclaren they weren't really following like lando anything like that when he got his podium or signs and you know you understand what i'm saying yeah that was pretty important stuff for the midfield like those weekends they got podiums it's in terms of the fight for the championship like Mm. it's it i'd say that was pretty important part point in the season like who got podiums and eventually like racing point getting the win and stuff like that Mm. yeah and i i'm enjoying it i enjoy drive to survive but I, I'm actually spending my time just a bit like, um, as I just look at my phone, this is really poorly done this season. And I'm not sure maybe I just expected too much. I, I've seen but... like a fair few people complaining on Twitter. So I don't know. Mm. Maybe mm. This, I, it was definitely the hardest season to film. But of course, of course. Rubbed. Like it's annoyed more F1 fans than previous yeah, ones. Yeah. Which is a but it but it's interesting you say that your brother no, sorry, your sister and her boyfriend have got into it because I think Drive to Survive is a wonders for F1 viewership. It got yeah. so many people more interested in it by just understanding more about these like twenty characters on the grid, team principles and I don't know, like turf battles or whatever, like development battles. <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, to to someone who isn't a fan, cool. To everyone who was really invested in this season due to nothing else like going on terrible yeah, yeah I, like I just a, see it's like it's something else to enjoy about the sport rather than it's supposed to be like a highlight reel of everything that i enjoyed when i was watching the races kind of thing mm, it's mm. like it's it's something else it's, yeah it's an yeah. additional thing yeah well it was nice that they made ferrari feel awkward about the engine 
I'm not going to, it's not a scandal, but the engine scandal. Yeah. And then the racing point brake ducks. Like I didn't actually realize the ins and outs. So I didn't know they purchased uh, like design information and like took inspiration from that. And I didn't understand the logic of why Renault chose the protest the brake ducks over something else, et cetera. But it was because, nice like, to see a different aspect. Brake ducks are so intricate and there's, you can't see the internals of them. Mm. So if you've mm. got the same brake ducks as somebody else, like on, on the inside, you can only get that if they've handed you the design drawings. Yeah, That's yeah. That's why they so, went after them in the end. Mm. So that makes sense for the protest. Yeah. But it's interesting. It highlights a lot of protesting that goes on like even if it's just the game clarity like the first episode wasn't it red bull protesting das just to understand what was going on etc etc yeah. like and like it's been banned from this yeah. season on so it's like mm. you know well it works is it yeah, legal is it not how long is it going to be around for like is it mm. worth chasing you know they've got to yeah. investigate every avenue otherwise you know, yeah you don't win world championships do you mm. well i really like how it so the team bosses their big personalities not all of them but for to- toto and uh, horner right but it's just interesting Sorry. how like he's walking up the stairs and he's saying like uh sorry mate we're gonna protest it blah 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 i have a little conversation and toto goes like but how cool is it though right and then christian's like yeah it's really cool <laughs> you know they are they are in, i don't know they are in a war with each other but they're still like mates about it which i think is really cool yeah, it must be some awkward lines to walk at some point because he's yeah. such competitors and there's yeah. like half a billion invested in each team each yeah. year. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely from Mercedes' point of view. But here's something else you'll like, and I, I, it's not really a spoiler, but there's so um, Cyril... A people. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad that you jumped in there. <laughs> um, so we're talking about Danny Rick's decision to leave a team, and Cyril's pretty cut up about it in this, uh, you know, in the 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 Renault episode. Yeah. And he's talking about it like a breakup, and he's like, "Me and Daniel, we are not currently talking. <laughs> uh, we have a relationship to rebuild, but I don't want to talk to that man." <laughs> Such massive but, contrast, like when Ferrari yeah. and Vettel wasn't going to be re-signed, just like how McLaren handled. Uh, science leaving and how Renault handled Ricardo leaving. Mm, mm. And I uh, see that's another one where I think the series has missed the trick a little bit. Okay, they've highlighted the fact of like, you know, Vettel was probably pissed off, not motivated, didn't want to try, hated the car, blah, blah, blah. But their coverage of it was just weak. <laughs> it was it was poor, to be honest. Yeah. I, mm. As I said, I only three episodes in, but yeah, they, they, were, they had to pick one team and stick with it. And like, they're in their bubble. They couldn't go over somebody else. Mm. And See, I think the three I've yeah. watched, like it's still compelling stories for people oh, who, wa- oh, yeah. who weren't watching this season. Like it's still mm. a story mm. gives you good insight into Formula yeah. One, and you get to see Valtteri Bottas's ass. You do, you do. It did get dangerously close to seeing Shaft. Uh, was quite <laughs> was quite concerned when we were we were naked in a sauna. But... It's like, is there going to be some pixelation here, or like, what's the age rating of uh, survival? <laughs> <laughs> How prepared should I be for this episode? Uh, I've seen I have seen a few comments on Twitter about Valtteri's ass, <laughs> which has been very cool. But um, do you have anything to contribute about Drive to Survive, or should I just leave you to suffer through the rest of the episodes? Just leave you to suffer. I would, like mm. the last thing I'll say, I think it just like the Bottas episode. It does give quite a good insight into his mentality. I did like that one. That yeah. was good. That so was you get good. a better understanding of him because he he does talk, but he's quite reserved. I'd say most of the time. Yeah, I think it just reflects being Finnish. Yeah. Just kind of like if you just think he's like a Kimmy, but like a, maybe a bit more vocal and yeah, he's a, a bit very less talkative funny. Finn, but like not very talkative mm. in comparison to everybody else. Mm, indeed, indeed. But um, testing, Liam. Yeah. Uh, 
we covered it a little bit uh-huh. last week, but obviously there's been some you know developments, and there was the Sunday. So yeah. the, basically, the main thing I wanted to say is obviously everyone and their dog knows that Mercedes are perhaps in a little bit of trouble. Yes, perhaps, perhaps, probably. Yeah, they're a big Maybe team. They've got. Out. Yeah, they've got well-established systems and blah, blah, blah. You know you know the rest. Yeah. But I saw an interesting thing from, from Max, Max Verstappen, Red Bull. Mm-hmm. He said, he's like, he's like every, everyone knows what Mercedes is doing. You look at the data, they were like, they were almost like, get, like for lack of a better way of putting it, sandbagging. And then like the only reason for the spins was wind, which I'm sure you said last week, the cars seem more susceptible to wind. Yeah. Well, what's your take on that? So it, it looks really bad, like Mercedes comparison to Red Bull, but mm. they've got time to fix what issues there were. Like that's, you know, mm. if there's massive issues that they find in testing, then that's good to some extent because that's not massive issues they find during yep. the race. Yeah, it's better than better than the first race, which is Bahrain? Is it uh, Bahrain? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, are, we doing, are we doing two at Bahrain or are we Bahrain and on? Bahrain and then somewhere else. Mm. Maybe somewhere. Yeah, the calendar's a bit all over the place this yeah, year, which I, I actually, like I'm a fan of it. Yeah, it, it looks like some good stuff, except for the, yeah. the, the boring Jet- old Jeddah. Jeddah, yeah. yeah. That was, that's some news for this week. We've got the the first look at what the track's going to be like. Um, mm, and I think like I'll text our, our group chat. Um, it's just going to be like competition with Abu Dhabi for the most boring race of the season. Yeah, it seems very... It doesn't really have corners; it just has squiggles. Yeah, like and well, it's, the most corners, corners like <laughs> yeah. left, right, left, right, which is gonna make it so hard to overtake. I saw like two, yeah, like vaguely heavy braking zones. Yeah, it's um, really Liam, what's what's the meme about money? It's um, money talks. Yeah, no, no, is that isn't like three races won, but they've made one into money. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I thought that, that's a cracking thing, but no, I think it's going to be a disaster of a race, almost like. Monaco, for example, I hate. I I just hate city circuits. Full stop. I don't think there's any space. There's no fun. People crash into walls. Boring. Yeah, I I say back is the best one, but then that, that doesn't feel like exactly like an all street circuit because it's so wide and open, which you aren't going to get mm. in most cities. Mm. Mm. I do enjoy racing on back on F1 2019. To be fair, Monaco was a Monaco is a nightmare though. I just oh. I gave up on the campaign on Monaco. It doesn't feel like the cars are supposed to drive around that. They they feel too big. No. No, I mean, do, do you ever see any overtaking at Monaco really that isn't done during a pit stop? Like, not really, unless there's like a massive pace disadvantage or you know, a yeah. red flag or something. Because mm, mm. in uh, 2018, when Ricardo won, he was like, his engine was, I can't remember exactly wrong, but he was down 25% of the power, I think they said. Still clutched a victory. Yeah. So and it's like Lewis Hamilton, uh, 2019. Like mm. His tyres were completely gone. He's sliding all over the place, and Max Verstappen on fresh softs just can't get past. There's just no no room. No uh, maybe the tunnel is the best opportunity. The big long straight there. I don't really know. I, I know where's a yeah. good opportunity to try and pass in like the F1 game, but not not in real life. I think yeah, you've got to of try course, everywhere of course. And the best. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I understand, but. Where were we? But yeah, anyway, I meant to say on this, so Mercedes actually have two filming days that they've scheduled two days before Bahrain. Do you reckon that's in response to their almost abysmal testing weekend full of gearbox failures, Spinala, etc.? <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon... Um, it's weird, because they, they were the last one to do a filming day, 
and they've mm. been like they'd started car development earlier than everybody else for these new regulations because they stopped mm. early last year. So, yeah, I think I think they're really worried. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem quite right. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to make any predictions because it's never. It's not worked in the past when other people have been like, "Oh, Mercedes is going to struggle." It's it's Ferrari this year, or it's Red Bull's year, or something like. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think. But I think there'll be more competition. Like it, it they're not because the Red Bull, like it was close at points to Mercedes last year. And you look at them in testing, mm. and they were spinning. But like this year, like their car looks super stable. Yeah, high rake versus low rake. That's yeah. all I seem to have seen. <laughs> and the people at Mercedes won't answer if they think that the new regulation floor suits high rake or low rake, which means that they ultimately know it suits high rake. <laughs> yeah. And there's pictures of them taking uh i don't know whether it was on when hamilton or bottas was driving but they were trying out a high rake so they'd raise the suspension height at the rear <gasps> interesting i think it was only a few laps because mm. they didn't do much running but at least Ooh. they were trying to figure out whether they lost more yeah. because of their philosophy mm. i think was that, was that i think that? we could be in for a spicy year yeah and i'm really excited about that me too because not only have we got different tracks, well, you know, we had them last year, but different tracks from the normal circuit, but we've also got a closer field, a potential, like, you know, giant may fall this year, or at least for the first half, right? Yeah. Which sure. could impact their next year because they might have to continue car development longer than they'd like to. No. I, oh, I think okay. Well, team, yeah, okay, fine. is <laughs> just going to be like, we have an end point, regardless of where we are in the championship. Mm. We have an end mm. point because these rules are going to, you know, this last year of these rules, one championship is not worth screwing over like four or five championships, you know? Yeah. How long, how long do you think these new regs are coming in for? I, obviously they're coming in and they're here to stay for a while, but what do you mean? Six years, 10 years? Do you know anything about that? It's, that's a great question. Um, okay. So clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Well, because the, these current rules came in 2014. Mm-hmm. so that's seven seasons okay yeah yeah um and then like the one before that was 2009 to 2013 mm-hmm. so mm. so i guess years. yeah so i guess they've done this because we want to see closer racing yeah. right cool fantastic so i guess the next change after that will just be the engine keep keep the car design the same for the closer racing if it works then change the engine to i don't know whatever they have in mind with biofuels and stuff like that i imagine yeah like, so, yeah, that's fair I enough. I feel like the next big change in the couple yeah. of years afterwards. Okay, Liam, do you have anything else to add to Formula 1 or should I do the call? Do the call out. Listeners, you can stop skipping now. Formula 1's over. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I think that's my favourite section. It's quick, It's quickly become become something I look forward to, say the Formula 1 section's over, despite <laughs> me loving talking about it. <laughs> Actually, one last question. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I'm so sorry. Go, go, go. Is it next weekend that the races start again? Yeah. Next so weekend. I'm off all this week, so I get to watch the, the entirety of FP1 and FP2. Just, oh, so. that's fantastic, Fine. mate. That's fantastic. <laughs> I wish you didn't have so much work to do, I'd, otherwise I'd love to be there as well to just binge it with a beer oh. midday. But yeah, that does lead me on nicely to something I maybe wanted to ask you before we delved into music and so on. Go for it. What is the thing you're most looking forward to doing at the end of lockdown or when the pandemic is lifted? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, Number one thing right now. You got five seconds. 
Um, I just want to be somewhere with a lot of friends doing something dumb. That's really cute. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely want that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Namely, I would love to go out to the coast, go swimming in the ocean, cook burgers on the back of the car. We love North Wales, don't we? We have an unhealthy obsession with North Wales. Yeah. <laughs> and cold water and lakes and stupid stuff. <laughs> oh. well, but hear me out. That's all stuff, yeah. Go for it. The pub. Okay. Sat in the garden of a pub mm-hmm. in the sun. Yeah. Pint in one hand, pint in the other hand with all your mates. Lovely. Because I think that's coming pretty soon. That's coming pretty soon. And I'm really looking forward to that. 12th of April, I think. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There you go. That must be soon. Like, as soon as you can have a. a like a small group of people socially distance, you just meet at a pub. See it meet. on the sides of a picnic table or something. It's all good. <laughs> meet at a pub and forget which way's up after an hour. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, Liam, yeah. that, that, that was just something I really wanted to dig out of you, what you're most looking forward to. Why don't you hit me with your music suggestion for this week? Okay. Okay. Um, just don't, just, just improve on the last one you gave, please. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, was, I was sort of um, walking around the park and I, I, I couldn't find a podcast I wanted to listen to that day so I switched Ooh. out to music um, and just scrolling through what I have like bought myself sort of like download on my phone mm. ah because you don't have Spotify for some reason don't, don't have a Spotify premium I, maybe they'll sponsor us yeah, I, maybe that, that'd be ideal <laughs> otherwise I might have to give them Sponsor you five pounds a month for Spotify premium. <laughs> no, go on, go on. So you ended up looking for music you had saved on your phone. Yeah. Um, and actually, I fall on body there. Um, and the, the song recognition I got this week is Perth uh, by Bonnie Vare. Perth by Bonnie Vare. Tell me about this song. Come on. So um, Why I look it up. Heath Ledger of uh, Dark Knight fame, mm-hmm. who, who died like of an accidental overdose, I believe it was, in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a close friend of like um, a director of one of Bonnie Bear's music videos and like a pretty good friend of Bonnie Bear as well as far as I can tell from the story I heard it's a documentary mm-hmm. I watched a while back uh, and they're making this music video just out in these woods when they hear about like he's dying um, and Perth is all response to, like how they're feeling in that moment Ooh. about finding out like a close friend had passed away and I so think- this is quite a deep song that you've recommended this week yeah yeah i think it is wow and what kind of environment should i and the listeners be listening to it in? um i don't know just we talk like, <laughs> very like happy but reflective space you know just like oh okay it's like late late afternoon early evening okay you know, okay just chill out on the sofa or something. all right well i've just added it to my like songs and i'll play it as soon as i get back to studying after this yeah good stuff and hmm, I was going to press play just to see how long it was, but I realized that was a bad idea. Because <laughs> last week we had Frank Ocean playing in my ears. We didn't need anything Well, this week we've had my phone going off because I forgot to take it off vibrate. You know, I think my phone went off as well. So here we are. Yeah. They want to see the heights so professional. of professionalism. Yeah. Hmm. So Liam, my song, my song for this week. So, so there's a little bit of a story attached to this one. So obviously I've been going through a bit like of a... Uh, a reflective phase with what I've been listening to. Like a lot of old stuff, maybe like, you know, 16 through the 20s to listen to. Probably just much like you were going through save stuff on your phone. Yeah. And I came across this uh, this guy, there's in uh, Vancouver Island, called mm-hmm. Jesse Roper. Now, how do I know this guy? Well, basically, uh, 
for all intents and purposes, I've been to this guy's birthday party. I've bought him drinks at a bar. He's bought me drinks at a bar, and he makes pretty cool, like, folky kind of music. Mm-hmm. Cool stuff, right? And uh, through them, I, another band, but we'll, we'll get there next week. Maybe that's next week's suggestion. But anyway, okay. so this song. So the song I originally had by him is called Anytime of Night. And that's a, that's a sorry, Anytime of Night. I think I said that really bad. But it's it's a very like I don't know it's a very romantic song I'm super super into it you know just typing away having a good time, but I found this new release for him called called Brightside, and I've only listened to it a few times but I'm very into it and it's also sort of like just being nice to people. Okay, I can get by that. But get it up on get it up on uh, a tab. Brightside, Jesse Roper. It's actually a beautiful song. Bit different from my like deep bassy london thunder recommendation from last week but Ooh. i think i think you'd very much enjoy it it's a good like the it's a feel good song up. as well he looks like a wholesome person that there's some great long hair um mm. fantastic oh hair. indeed and like yeah there we go the world's best cardigan go. so yeah yeah i mean he's a lovely guy i i think i think he's suffered in the past you know but yeah. his music is absolutely beautiful yeah. very, i mean some 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 of it's like almost like batshit crazy which i'm kind of into but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah have a have a listen you listeners at home i think i think everyone would really enjoy this if the sun's shining and you're in a good mood okay okay so uh, there's two ends of the spectrum there for you yeah well i think you bring them down i'll bring them up yeah next week i'll bring them down you bring them up there you go sold done well then perfect all right liam what's next Sh- do you want me to hit you with my topic absolutely slap me in the face of it which is i i guess back to our good old vein of like uh just moaning about stuff liam we love a good moan don't feel bad about it uh, so i'm just gonna get the tablet so i can i've got the information right um <laughs> <laughs> come on this has really got under my skin so um, oh so i'm looking at new cars because it, it's that it's that time i've I had uh, mine for a couple of years um mm-hmm. and Golf R is what I'm thinking of. We're not quite there, you know, like fucking putting deposits on or anything like that. But, um, Before we go any further, tell the listeners about a Golf R. What power are we talking? What time of car for people who don't like no cars that well? Oh my god, this is gonna be bad if I can't remember all the stats in my head. Well, like, just ball- ballpark and we can yeah. correct it next week. So it's a it's a <laughs> it's a it's a two liter turbo, um, just shy of three hundred horsepower, if I remember correctly. That's so a bit like, of a pocket rocket. Yeah, north sixty in less than six seconds. Ooh. Um, the one I'm looking at is manual, but available in double clutch transmissions, which would mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. get a few more tenths off your yeah. to sixty. But if, we are yeah, we're looking at the manual, correct? Yeah. So okay. Cool. Cool. All wheel drive car. Um, so it's front wheel drive bias. Um, Haldex system, I think, if that means anybody, mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. to anybody. Um, so it can chuck power to the rear wheels if stuff starts going. Could wrong. we? Could we? Could we do a donut in it forwards on a beach? Or would it just look weird? I, I've yet to see anybody do that, but I'm sure we could mm. give it a go. I feel like you know, take traction to off, you get something moving, but it's it's mm. not like a Subaru where you do mm. nice all-wheel drive. Big. Do you remember thing. being on that beach and a guy was absolutely spooning it in circles in his Subi? Oh, it sounded so good as well. But I think I think we both had like a good place. a good five minutes of oh. <laughs> Cause it's not god people that would just be like absolute dickhead you know, yeah like what is this tossa doing doing donuts at 60 miles an hour on this wonderful beach <laughs> in this wonderful part of wales maybe not quite 60 but it, you know it's quite fast because you have to get like quite big donuts going to like get it to work mm. with all the drive i think but okay you know 
I'm very jealous. I think at some point, not, but Subaru is just mm-hmm. a bit of a mess. That it's definitely a cult as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, back on topic. Back on topic. That's my back bad. Um, Golf R. Golf R. So you, you've got to do the research, like what's insurance looking like? Because I'm 24 years old, so insurance company wants insurance companies want to shaft you essentially, regardless <laughs> of what car you drive. It could be like a 50 horsepower, like two seater hatchback from 19. 19- 55 or something and they want to charge you three billion pounds if you go to the wrong place wow that's quite a lot of money for a two-seater from 1950 something yeah maybe exactly (laughs) but okay so you're looking you're looking at the car you've obviously looked at insurance quotes because that's what people have to do yeah what's the price you've been hit with so um my insurance company the one i work for won't insure me so uh what I can't get my nice discount. Just full stop. Won't, won't, won't do that part <laughs> for my age range, I guess. Okay. Um, so on a comparison website, comparethemarket.com. Others mm. are available. But your company is quite a low risk insurer there, are they not? Yeah. So we've got a, like they purposely price high for stuff like this or not at all. Like, yeah. So I can go yeah. quite in depth on insurance philosophies, I guess. No, um, let's not do that. Let's yeah. not do I that. I don't think anybody wants to go in that, but essentially... My company is just like, we want low risk stuff. Okay. But so, okay. So yeah. you've been on Money Supermarket, compared to Meerkat, you yeah. name it. Yeah. What's the price? Come on, hit me. Just shy of a grand. You're upset about that? Or no. are you happy with that? No. The oh. kicker is. Oh. If I just want to put a simple exhaust system, sort of back box, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing mm-hmm. fancy. A modification, which Slight insurance companies hate. Yeah. Go on. Four and a half grand. Wow. So not only have you spent £500 on making your car louder, yeah. you're now paying four, four times as much on in insurance. Yeah. So Holy cow. But I mean, that's provide. I mean, I don't condone this, but that's providing you tell them. Yeah. Which, which is kind of what I want to get onto because the insurance office... It's very is, subtle. I got like over 20 offers, you know, 20, 30, something like that for just a standard unmodified car and you're just changing something slightly. I think there was three, maybe four offers I got. Hmm. Now, here's an interesting thing that I, I was turning up when looking for insurance for my Jeep. So obviously there's a few things been done that, yeah. are, that are declared, talked about, all of which make the car slower. Mm-hmm. But it's a modification nonetheless, despite making this thing slower and slower and slower. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, I, I'm not in charge for some reason. Um, so, but I, I came across a company called Adrian Flux, and I'm, I, but I don't think they're on these comparison websites. They're more of like a broker that specialize in like, you know, four by fours and like, yeah. and so on. more or less they hated me because of my age, <laughs> Yeah. but I think that could be a good avenue to explore is giving them a call and asking them to, uh, you Absolutely. know, see what they can put out for you because, you know, their website says like specialists in modified insurance. So they're going to recognize that an exhaust should not quadruple your premium. No. And that's what I was going to recommend. So I've got a mate, uh, Chris, with a Mark VI Golf R. Hello, Chris, with the Mark VI Golf R. I hope you're listening. <laughs> and it's it's a really nice setup card. Like, he takes care of that, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd see him as a low risk in terms of the world of people who drive modified cars. Okay. And he, he went through a broker. but he, So he's got... Um, Maybe I shouldn't list his modifications in case they're not all declared. <laughs> no, let, let's, let's, just, let's just say there's a modification or two and we're sure they're declared. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep it safe. Let's keep yeah. it safe. But it's very nice. It's like- <laughs> he's got he's got nitrous. <laughs> he's got road slicks. <laughs> but but I, yeah, I guess that's the only option you've got, really. But it just seems bizarre, like just a, a back box on the car, like 
Mm. The mm. amount of people who are actually doing that must be fairly high. I'm sure. I mean, because if an insurance company wants you to declare changing a radio, I'm pretty sure. Stuff as simple as that. Yeah. But I mean, it's the you know, it's the risk you take. You know, God forbid there was a crash. Oh, sorry, mate. The rich radio has been changed. We can't cover that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, done. I think part Void. of it is is the the data points they got it. So like, um, when they're looking through their statistics, and like, if most people aren't declaring that they've changed out their radio or something simple, then they've just got like a really small set of data on like people who have done that to their car, and then it's mm. really easy for mm. it to get skewed. To like, oh, it's super expensive if somebody do some, some, does something simple like that. So mm, I think mm. uh, if everybody out there with modifications to their car can declare them, hopefully it'll bring down the average price for me. So yeah, I can have... <laughs> <laughs> Are we here. starting a UK-wide trend to save you some money? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, so what, where, where's your headspace at with this? So you've looked, you found a great quote, but I mean, personally, I think one of the most fun things you can do is tinker with a car. Yeah. But insurance, insurance is now like your barrier to that technically. So like, where are you at? What's, what's happening? I just, I find it bizarre because with classic cars, the thing is the, the price starts going down massively because there's a guy called Harry's Garage. Uh, well, that's his YouTube channel name. His last name isn't actually Garage. Um, Harry Metcalf is his real name. But he used to have a Pagani Zonda. But he sold no, that. that's cool. And now he's got like uh, a shed full of old classic cars, like 20-something. It keeps on for, growing. And for it, the price that he sold the Zonda? Yeah, so all of them combined, that's cool. I think, are worth less than the Zonda. And like the insurance he pays per year for all of them, like 20 different cars, like Lamborghini Countach, Testarossa. Lexus. Sorry, listeners. I'm just googling Sorry, this because I really want to see it. There's loads oh, of yeah. stuff. Okay, yeah. F- f- fair enough, mate. <laughs> okay. So why? Why would you? You know, spend lots of money. It doesn't make sense. So, like, the, I think the thought process is: if you got a classic car, you're taking care of them. But if you're like modifying cars and like to some extent, you know, you're, you're building or working on your own car. It's mm. the same sort of mentality. Mm. I I mean, either way, mate, the the system isn't fair. No. And you're too young. You need to be another 20 years older. Yeah, (laughs) that's probably the main issue. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. But I mean, it can't have shined. I mean, despite if you get an exhaust on it or not, or various other miscellaneous things, it can't have put you off that much. I mean, you still get yourself into a 300 horsepower car. It's just changing the approach. Because, you know, it's a case of like, Maybe up to 500 quid extra just to be like legit and say, I've, I've got this on. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, that's a worthy cost. It can be like quite expensive. And like, if somebody rear ended you, you wanted that, you want that covered instead of having to pay like a couple of grand for mm, place. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what are the chances of you finding one that's already had an exhaust done? Probably quite high. Yeah. But I, I golf's, don't, golf's I don't the aftermarket for golf's is you know, messed up. Yeah, because anybody sensible will return their car stock. If you like watch any car YouTubers, they'd be like, they spend Actually, six months like putting all these modifications on their car, and then when they come to sell it, inevitably, mm. like they'll strip mm. everything off, take it back to stock. Because yeah. not only can you sell everything for more, you know, if you separate mm. it back out, but mm. it's also easier to sell an unmodified car. Yeah, I think so. I mean. This, this actually brings me onto a podcast I was listening to, actually, quite conveniently, yeah. that I wanted to talk to you about. It's quite an interesting story, a oh. scary story even. Oh. But, yeah, the second-hand market, I think, is quite dangerous, if anything. 
like not just from like finding a car that hasn't been absolutely abused, especially if it's a golf car it was owned by someone like yourself before. Like, yeah, not that I'm saying that you would like rag it and forget to change oil and st- stuff like that, but you know there are, there are people out there who you know have this from new and redline it at almost every opportunity. Absolutely used cars, yeah, for sure. Yeah, not necessarily correctly warm and all that, and you know missed a few services, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, but it's even just stuff like common defects that people try and hide from you and. I'm guessing you're going for a dealer here, but it doesn't necessarily make them a good, no. you know, an honest place. Yeah, I had bad experiences with dealers, like, the last time I was looking for a car. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even, like, our, our friend Richard, you know, he got his car and half the buttons don't work. Well, not half, but, you know, a couple of the buttons don't work. Is it cruise control? Cruise and... control doesn't work. The yeah, you know, all, all stuff that the dealer could have just been honest about. I refuse to believe it. it didn't know it didn't work. Yeah. But ultimately, this guy's got cash in his pocket and I want it. So, you know be a bit you know dance around the truth a little bit maybe yeah i think but it's it's like it's not just ears it's all people like trying to hide exactly everything. and so obviously so liam obviously i'm obsessed with jeep so obviously i listen to a jeep podcast Naturally. obviously these these two guys one of them's got an lg maybe i was telling you about like the slightly longer version of mine that's an absolute unicorn of a car yeah front and rear lockers you name it right uh so basically, yeah. So they were telling this. They were telling this story of a a man who went out to buy a Jeep for his daughter. I think that's quite a common thing in the states. Like, you know, I mean, to be fair, if I lived in the states and I had a, I had a kid, I'd be like, "Yeah, your first car is going to be a Jeep because a, it's meaty and b, it's cool as cool as balls, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, despite poor fuel economy, poor ride, your ears will be ringing after two hours, <laughs> and so on, right? So he goes out to 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 find this car for his daughter. He looks over the car and. I think mistake number one is I don't think he took anyone with him to be like a like you know like a a secondary inspector of this car, mm-hmm. I mean, which is a bit of a red flag to start with. Despite him like having a Jeep himself, all right. Um, but not much of a car guy, or I'm not sure. I mean, we had it. He had a Jeep, so I presume he, to a certain extent, thought he knew what he was looking for. Right. But likewise, me and my dad made some mistakes with what I've got. With you know, we didn't check under key areas of the carpet because we didn't know to do that. You know. Yeah. But point Can't being is. Research. Yeah, and these guys are saying about how, like, whenever they go for a car, take someone who knows more about it, right? Yeah. And so they were telling a story about how, like, they've they've shopped for Jeeps and taken hammers, and friends have been like, why are you hitting Why are you hitting this car with a hammer that I want to buy? And, you know, long story short, they're checking the frame. It's a ladder, ladder chassis, and they, ru- they rust out. People go through great lengths to hide rust. Yeah. Unfortunately, because, you know, just pure dishonesty. So basically, yeah, then... He 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 said likes his car, buys it on the spot. You know, perhaps it was freshly washed. You know, you know all, all the spiel. Like you know, everything looks shiny when it's washed. Yeah, yeah. Which is another reason why you shouldn't buy a car in the rain because it makes the paint look better. Fact. Um, Hide scratches uh, or missing lacquer. Exactly, exactly, because it fills all those like you know micro scratches and so makes it look a lot cleaner than it is. The same thing that polishing a car does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, so he gets halfway home, and basically his car sets on fucking fire. <laughs> oh dear. Like through dodgy, dodgy wiring, DIY, bad maintenance, all that stuff. But, but I'm, uh, where am I in the story? So we set it on fire, right? Yeah. So then he manages to put it out, and the fire is more or less, you know, contained to the hood. That that's fine. Okay, cool. He probably saved quite a large bit of money if he was gonna, you know, just replace what was burnt. <laughs> but then uh, he gets it to the he gets it to a garage, um, like a like a like a, like a Jeep specialist garage, you know, as there are. Yeah. yeah. And they put it up on they put it up on this lift, right? 
And the guy who puts it up on the lift, there's like two of his technicians are underneath it. He screams, he screams for these guys to get out from underneath his car ASAP. You're like, you know, this is at least the, the this podcast version of the story. Right. And long story short is this car through basically what was left of the frame was tin foil. But this man who he bought it off had, con- you know, like you know that expanding foam they use in construction. Oh my. You know, they, you spray yeah, it in yeah, there. Yeah, it ex- yeah. I'm not sure if that's the technical term of it, but almost like all the critical parts of this frame and the key rust spots, which is guys should have hit with a hammer, had been like filled up with this foam, sanded back and painted black like the rest of the frame in like an absolute deception to be like frames mint. Don't worry about it. Right. And then on further inspection, basically this, this, the frame all basically buckled in half, you know, like if this guy, long story short, if, if this guy's car hadn't set on fire, right? Like it would have collapsed on it. Or something. Yeah, it would have collapsed. And also the brake lines were made out of like copper water pipe and not actual like high pressure, like brass or something like that. So the brakes had bulged, you know, a couple more yeah. brakes, the brakes would have failed them on the highway anyway. And the frame is rotten. So there's almost no crash protection there other than just sheet steel that's on the body. But long, long story short is, what a scumbag to have done that and then tack welded like, uh, so the frame on a Jeep is like three, three apes, three sixteenths, one of those two. But this guy basically like welded like one millimeter steel plate on a section, tacked, tacked welded, not not anything, not that it was structural due to the thickness of a steel. In parts, is not not absolutely 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 because okay jeep frames rot people go through great lengths to put what we call like replacement panels on you know they cut out all the rust do like have like have professionals do it do it themselves you know yeah. great quality repairs right i totally trust a frame that have been properly they call it safety capping i mean like it's not the best thing if you're trying to resell it but if you yeah. see a job's done properly you know it's secure fine but fuck me liam like I was, I was like, I was trying to work when I was hearing this podcast, but my jaw was on the floor that someone would do that. Especially like, I mean, and these guys referred to it as like almost like premeditated shit. Like, you know, like this guy would have died because he non-legal brake lines made out of copper water pipe. That's mad for nowadays, but I guess maybe not to the same sort of safety degree, but you know, mm. back in the day, my parents talk about having to take back in day. Back in are we trying to do yorkshire right now because yeah. i've i've been proven recently to be shy to do a yorkshire accent you know, <laughs> taking your magnets like look at cars because everybody would just like get polyfiller and fill in dents on yeah. cars or rust yeah. holes yeah i mean it's a minefield right i mean or whatever just stuffed into panels mm. yeah and i think to a certain extent i think and we, we still like so um when i've been into body shops that we are, like my company owns um be a case of like you're removing bumpers or stuff and like things are held in with garden screws and there is still newspaper stuffed in bumpers mm. and things like yeah, and that's that's, like that's terrible filled in with filler, you know. i just it just it makes you wish there was more honesty out there towards this stuff i mean i know this guy just wanted to recoup his money from his car but you yeah. can't sell something that could ultimately kill someone and if this dude had given it to his daughter, being like, frame's nice, drive's nice, have fun. I mean, you know, a couple more breaks, the brake like the brakes failed and she's on the interstate. Something like, you know, it's Yeah, the people <sighs> only think about what they've invested, you know, like they've accidentally mm. bought like a mm. rubbish car and they've got to sell it on. Or yeah. They've been in an yeah. accident and just can't afford to repair the car, they've yeah. got to get rid of it. Mm. And obviously I've given you a very extreme example. Yeah, yeah. Right. 
I mean, for example, like I said, I just found a patch of rust on my car that I didn't check. My bad. Fixed it. Welded up. Clean. Done. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this I guess comes full circle back to the stuff that you're looking at and being ragged is that I guess you're going to a dealer, but that doesn't mean they're honest. There's still you still have to check everything under the sun, in my opinion, to find a good example. Yeah. Uh, well, so when I bought my BMW, I got uh, I think it was RAC inspection because it was a couple hundred miles away from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you you yeah you outs you outsourced someone professional to yeah. check so and it saved you a big check. journey. Yeah, yeah. Like the cost of it was essentially like the, the fuel money pretty mm-hmm. much that would have cost mm-hmm. at the time to go see this car. And if it was just complete dog, at least I would have not wasted that trip. Yeah, of course. You would um, you would have only disappointed yourself. You'd have yeah. been like, ah, shit. I mean, but part of that inspection was like an additional charge to do like uh, an oil quality check. So they take a sample and see if there's like any metal contaminants or like water traces, whatever. In oh, the oil. Uh, like they did uh, pull out the filter, squeeze it. And I, you know, there's multiple because that's what they do with airplanes and yeah, shit. So. There's multiple ways to get like an oil sample from a car fairly easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I got the report back afterwards um, after they'd done the inspection, uh, and it was lots of it was quite good. Like they picked out the the uh, the alignment wasn't quite right, so they got a wheel line before it came to me and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But on the, the oil filter section, which uh, sorry, oil quality section, which I'd paid like fifteen quid extra for because I thought that was quite useful. Mm-hmm. They could they couldn't do it because uh, BMWs don't have a dipstick. It's an electronic oil gauge, but there's still an oil cap, and there's still like a billion ways to get an oil sample out of there. So, so they did well. So what that tells me was not that, a substantial amount. Yeah, that oil check. All they were going to do is take the dipstick out and look at it. Interesting. Which is so. Which is that's like very half-assed. Yeah. So and I think there's so many these services. I don't know. How do you know who to trust in lots of this stuff? Well, so I, I suppose you, got to you trusted the us. RAC name, a brand you recognised. Mm. There's like a few other people, like the AA do them as well. Mm. It's just mm. the one I like. You see, now when you told me about that, like so... I watch a lot. I watch a lot of random crap on YouTube. We know this now, mm-hmm. and one of them is you know. Have, so obviously, a lot of Cessnas and stuff. They have just like you know V eight V eight turbos in them and stuff. And people pull off the filters, they put it in a bench vice, they sque- you know squeeze all the stuff out, and they they literally check the oil for like filaments, you know bits of I don't even know like certain iron elements that you know are on the cylinder walls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. I thought you were telling me they were going to do that because I thought that'd be really cool. Like that's a that's worth paying that's for. That's what I thought I was paying. Yeah. But if they're checking the dipstick and be like, yeah, the oil's black, it needs a change, that's that's poor. Yeah. That that's just that's just part of a standard yeah. inspection. <clears throat> yeah, especially because any normal dealer would just do an oil change on the car when they got it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the place I bought it from, they had a like their own MOT station and stuff mm. on site. Mm. So they like they did it they did a full service in MOT like mm. as part of the sale. Yeah. And I'm telling you now, the quantity that they buy oil in makes it dirt cheap. Yeah. And mm. Just, you know, looking at the colour of an oil is easy to, like, there's still a screw cap that you can take off and look at it, so. Mm. Yeah, but the I think the, the point is that they couldn't definitely couldn't have got a large sample from that because obviously the oil, like, very minimal oil stays up in, your, in the valve cover. No, but, like, there's, there's still plenty of ways to get yeah. oil. Yeah. And I feel like the, the lack of a dipstick, like, mm. you're not getting much oil off that. I mean, why did they do that? I mean, do they just, did BMW just decide that people don't like checking their oil anymore? I guess so. It's just so many, like, um, washer fluid will give you warning for that if that's low. It's all just in your dashboard and you can do, like, a systems check and it'll go through. 
Mm. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. That's just that's just so opposite the ethos of my car. It's yeah. just like, my but I'm, I'm monitoring and stuff like that. Oh, oh god. Ugh. Look at them if they're bulging. Put some air in. If not, it's fine. <laughs> Run yeah. flats. You, you've got to. You've, mm. you've got no way. Yeah. Don't, well, here's here's an interesting flat. thing actually, Liam. So obviously, uh, off roading, like letting get letting air out of your tires from say 30 psi road down to like 12 off road is a big thing for traction purposes, right? Yeah. For listeners out there, basically the tire deforms. You've got more tread on the ground at any one point, and typically, like your tires will fold over rocks, increasing traction. But the new ra- the new Wranglers, I think they're called the the JLU at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, they have tire pressure monitors that were never like set up to be okay with tires being aired down so these poor people were going off roading and having like tire pressure warnings and like the car physically beeping at them just for like doing what the off-road community does and from a brand like jeep you'd be like well i wouldn't respect that from them because yeah it's your whole thing is this thing supposed to be a monster off-road especially if you've dropped 70 plus k on a rubicon yeah ah i don't know i'm rambling on and pissed off but either way your rac inspection they told you the alignment was off the oil what nothing about the oil clearly and you went to visit it and it turned up trumps it was worth paying for right yeah um so it's pretty much the car i thought i was buying so like um it was not far from needing uh four new tires and brakes and pads and like that was reflected in the price it was at Mm-hmm. and everything else was fine you know and um yeah and since since yeah. then it's all been done it's been looked after and it's been a wonderful car right mm-hmm. Now it's time to get a pocket rocket. It is, yeah. Something mm. different. Yeah. Anyway, Liam, I'm at the end of my coffee and my heart is racing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit strong today. <laughs> Double mm. shot. Yeah, so I mean, that's all I have for this week. Well, I think we, we some good discussion, hopefully useful for somebody out there. Yeah, I think the main takeaway is if you're going to go look at a car, take someone who knows a lot more than you not specifically about that car but just about things to look for even if it's just a second pair of eyes do it because people people will go through lengths to hide stuff from you right absolutely Mm. all right thank you for listening guys it's been wonderful as always yeah good fun good fun see you on the next one see you guys bye